This podcast is brought to you by Hanley's Clean Meals. Hanley's Clean Meals provide you with nutritionally balanced prepped meals that will aid you in all walks of life. Hanley's Clean Meals provide numerous intercounty teams with meals. For more information, visit their website hanleyscleanmeals.ie or follow them on social media. Joined now by Davy Burke to have a look back uh, on the games we had over the weekend, just the three games in the football, but it's safe to say this week now it's it's going to pick up and uh, a lot more championship action is going to come taking fast. Um, Davy, we had, uh, I suppose, two games in the Connacht Championship. Um, and I don't know, did you get to see the New York Sluggo game now last night? But it was probably the best, ge- best game over the weekend. Um, but just watching the game as as a on Gaelic Park, I was nearly looking myself at some stages and all, all the different colours on the astroturf close to the sideline. It, it was it was nearly confusing from a spectator's point of view. And I actually thought the jersey clash itself was confusing as well. Jersey clash was horrendous. Yeah, I don't know how watching watching it back was you know it was terrible. How could you tell them apart? And that was me sitting. Flat. Imagine going full tilt and trying to, you know, <laughs> identify who your lads are. Uh, so whoever allowed that happen, surely Sligo have a, have, a, have a white set or whatever, whatever I don't know, whatever set. So um, it was it was it was poorly done. That was in a pitch. See, as far as I'm aware, they play a lot of different sports in the Irish Park. Yeah. I think so. I don't know what their markings are for, but I do. I did see an interview. With um, is it Johnny McGinney? Is that his name, Johnny? Yeah, the manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I seen an interview on RTA with him one of the evenings there, Thursday, Friday evening last week in Gaelic Park, and there was some crowd uh, training behind him, and um, I don't know what sort of a sport they were playing. Some net and a racket, and it was throwing a ball, and so obviously whatever other sports they play in Gaelic Park, that's 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 what them like over there. It definitely doesn't um lead to an easy watch for a spectator's point of view. We're obviously used to just our normal standard lines, and uh. It doesn't need to that, but it was an excellent game of football and um, fair play to New York. They did they, they, the right, right good side, yeah. Yeah, the the game in itself, it was um, it was an attacking game of football. Like it was a real enjoyable watch. Um, Sligo obviously getting the goal through Sean Carbine at the start gave them a bit of platform, but like New York obviously will be proud of the performance, but they're not going to want more victories. Like they've been close. Three times now, Roscommon, Leitrim and Sligo. And I think that they hit the post four times in that second half. And had a chance to equalise. You know, so yeah, hit the post. So, so it, it yeah, 100%. Moral victory is no good. Thing. But I would say this is probably their most impressive performance considering where they came from in the last couple of years. They've had no football. They've had nothing. Like even London, you know, we're talking to talk about them. They've obviously had very little football, but they've, they've got a national league under their belt. You know that kind of way. Whereas New York have had nothing, you know, absolutely nothing. You know, a few years ago, you would be talking with Jamie Clark. You know, the real kind of well-known, you know, high-profile ads gone over. That's gone, and uh, so so this was very very impressive. Uh, or maybe it's very worrying for Sligo, one way or the other. It was um, um it was it was very very impressive by by New York. And uh, one lad to mention on them, Daniel Sullivan, the wing back. Yeah. He, um, Looked looked to me like he was lording it, you know. And uh, I would have trained Danny. He's from a new tier. He's a local fella to myself here. Yeah, yeah. Danny was on my uh, under twenty team in 2018. 19, um, now he left. He left us mid season to go on a J one to Toronto or Vancouver or somewhere. But uh, oh, he's a very very talented, very very good player. Um, 
real athletic bombing wing back. And I know for Manute there, he plays 15 and comes out around the middle as a third midfielder. And like, he kicked two good scores yesterday. And uh, good players, very, very impressed by him. And I'm delighted to see him get up to see him. Yeah, like even some of the names um, New York had, like Johnny Glynn looks big. On a hurling field, but yeah. like yesterday around midfield, like it was nearly an old school kind of, I suppose, midfield battle he won that we don't always see in the game. Barely up front as well. Killian Butler, ex London footballer, didn't start. And Alan Campbell at full, full back was terrific, as as well as uh, Mark Ellis, the uh, former Cork hurler. He was really picking up a lot of turnovers for New York. Yeah, absolutely. They have, they have, again, all these guys combined, the very, except for Johnny Glynn, the rest of them wouldn't be that well known. You know, yourself, so, uh, well, Johnny, Johnny in the football world, I wouldn't be either, obviously, but um, um, all them boys come together and fair play to, fair play to McGeady and his management because he's obviously got a very good spirit there. He, like, Sligo have been well prepared. I would have had Sligo lads in the season team this year and they would have been travelling up and back regularly to Sligo. They were in the Dome there in Beacon every weekend there for a long, long time. Sligo have a huge bank of work done. Like, there'll be a huge mm. amount of work done. And, uh, you know, I know, talking to them boys on the Sligo panel, like they, you know, they, they fancy themselves. They thought they would have got out of Division 4. They, I know they didn't. But uh, they fancy themselves. And, uh, you know, it's very, very impressive. It's, it's just a pity now. Um, right, now, maybe I'm wrong here, but I presume they're gone. Are they Are they going into the Talton Cup? They're going into the Talton at the quarterfinal this year. Are they? Okay, right. So, that's brilliant. And so, obviously, they're going to travel then. They're going to travel over, yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. Oh, well, that'd, that'd be great. That'd be just, and I, that'd be brilliant. Now that'd be that'd be well worth uh, well worth watching to see to see what team travels. You know yourselves, kind of like London. Sometimes the team that plays in Ryslip is generally a little bit better than the team that travels. You know that kind of way. So um, uh, that that would be good to see at least we we'll get to see them again. And and I think they deserve another go. It's these yeah. one games they kill teams. Bob. One game like the yesterday moral victory gone again. Season twelve months lads. There's no good anyway. You're not developing anything there. So at least I get a second crack. Especially with their struggle to get, like, I was talking to Jamie Boyle, the captain, during the week pre-game, and, like, they played Sawtail in one challenge up to this. Like, it's safe to say London can get challenges a lot easier, like, at, and for them to be... They do come over because... And they do deserve it with the performances they put in over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. There's no two ways about that, but they've easier access to games and, and more quality players, obviously, because they're closer to, closer to here. So, uh it's huge to see what, what New York are doing and London. And, and you know what? They're actually adding a huge amount to it now. I'd say there was years there, Paul, where they were very uncompetitive and they weren't adding a huge amount to it. So, fairness to McGinney and then um, Michael Maher in London, fair play to them. really kind of are, are putting together a structure there that uh, they've got two, two uh, you know, whatever exiles, whatever you want to call them, adding to the championship and, and you know, not taking away from it or not, uh, they're, not they're not done deals, which is great, you know, because, Sligo going over there and winning by 10 points or whatever. It's, you know, it's not good anyway. So. It's safe to say Sligo, like, it, it obviously wasn't the most impressive, but I'd say there is a lot of challenges with that trip. Like, it's just about really, no matter how you win, just getting the win. Like, because even when that went level yesterday, I, I thought in the last 10 minutes they showed a bit of responsibility, a bit of composure. The introduction of Pat Spillane, you could see, really kind of helped them. Yeah, he did. Like, Sligo has some good players. Like, you yeah. know, Sean Carbine is a great good player there. You know, even his goal yesterday, fine. That was right off that, his work off the ball, and he's a serious player to transition forward. And, and he's a quality player. Like, you know, Niall Murphy's a quality player. 
know, Pat O'Connor there, obviously Spillane off the bench. Like they, you know, they're, they're decent side. Like you know, they're 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 very very much a decent side. And um, so you had to dig it out. And and this will stand to that Sligo team, you know, much better going into the next round of Connacht, much more than a seven, eight, nine, ten point victory. This will they've actually answered questions here. And as you said, found leaders, and found men. You know, even fist in the score there at the end was game management. You know, it was clever. You know that kind of way. So uh, they found. You have to answer questions here, so uh, stand them no end. Whereas, as I said, a weaker, weaker opponent, you're, you're, you're learning nothing, it's no good anyway. You know, they were without Pat Hughes as well, and Luke Towie, both, yeah, players. yeah. And 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 again, so obviously, Towie's a very good player. I would have seen him earlier on in the year, he's a very good attacking wing back midfielder for them, yeah. And Pat Hughes is there a long, long time up front for them, so yeah, two, two very experienced players. And again, it's like this when you're at Division Four standard, the depth isn't there, Paul, you know, that's the problem. And when you take Pat and you take the likes of Luke out, you know, the depth just isn't there. And and I don't know, is that what they're doing with Pat Spillane? Is that why they're keeping him on, keeping him for a bit of impact? Is that what they're doing? He's, he's actually, uh, I heard Pat Spillane on the commentary last night. He was saying, I think he pulled his hamstring twice. Um, so that's why the game time has been so limited. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Okay. And you know why? Again, I've no insight into this. But going from club football, being exposed to that high-level inter-county training, you know, and load to load, um, you you know, you load your your, your body's put under. You can see hamstrings are, and and I was saying to there up there, a, in the countrywide, particularly at club level, there's a hamstring pandemic at the minute. It's absolutely mad. I, I in Kildare anyway. There's a heap of lads out with hamstrings in club level. I'm talking about so, um, uh, it, it's it's everywhere at the minute. Just on that, Sligo are preparing now for Roscommon in the Connacht semi-final. And, like, you talked there about them being a Division 4 team, but I think with some of the players they have, they, they're they higher than maybe some of the teams that are actually in Division 3 at the moment. But, like, we talked there about the players. Niall Murphy is probably one of the most underrated footballers in the country. You could even see yesterday he was outstanding. Um, he kicked five points in the end. But... Do you think Stigo can put it up to Roscommon in the Connex semi? Um, I don't. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. Um, no, I, yeah, they'll give them a game, absolutely. Um, I can see what's coming in seven or eight points, or at least should be winning by seven or eight points. Um, yeah, they have some good individuals and some good players. Absolutely, like, as you said, Niall Murphy's phenomenal there. Um, uh, Caroline, you say, but, but why, why haven't they got out of Division 4, Paul? You know, why, um, you know, there's a lot of questions there that I'd have that I'd look to get answered is, you know, Tony McEntee's a seriously experienced manager. Um, he, by all, from all my information, is they're well-resourced. You know, they lack for very little. It's a good setup. So what's going on? You know you know what I mean? Like, how how are they not getting out? Did we not talk about this before? The tip, the first two games in Division 4 this year? Yeah, they drew with... Waterford and then they yeah. lost to Leitrim right so Tip had lost two games and they still got out or whatever sorry Drew won and lost one right uh, you know Sligo were that good they should have been on four points or they should have been on three but, you know and should have had the margin so to be honest with you I, I uh, they have a good few good individuals decent players but I don't see the group the collective is not there I don't think the depth is there and uh, I, I the good management in place and it doesn't seem to be getting any better for me to be honest with you you know it doesn't seem to be um, scraped over the line over the weekend Division four again next year. Um, are they progressing? I, I don't know. I, I it'll be interesting to see how they get on against us, Colin. But I couldn't see them five, six, seven points in it. 
the big thing I suppose is they won of Connacht Minor last year. Um, but they're in the Connacht Under Twenty final on Wednesday. Um, but just on that, the game was obviously supposed to be a Sligo home advantage game. Then the Connacht Council said it was going to be in Beacon in the centre of excellence due to TG Carr streaming it. But they put a stance in and said Sligo will not be fulfilling the fixture unless it's in Markovich Park. And like they probably do have a point there because if this is the way the fixtures are going, like I know it's great having it on um, TV and everything, but you know, like if, if the fixture is Sligo's and then it is going to be played in Markovich now, but like it's something that's seems to be changing a lot in like different various matches um in the GA. You can confirm for Markovic, yeah? Yeah, confirm for Markovic now, yeah. Well, but you like TG Carr, why can't they put the, the cameras up in Markovic? Like? It, it seemed easier to me because there's so many pitches and beacon and everything and all of this. Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, with this crack with the park you were in, Killarney debacle at the minute, um, you know, you the Newbridge or nowhere there a few years ago. Like, what are the GAA at? I, I honestly don't understand. Uh, you know, home advantage is absolutely crucial in the GAA. Like, it's, it, it's a massive, massive thing. And, um, you know, teams and counties, particularly now that obviously, say, Kildare would have probably set the precedent probably a few years ago on it. Um, teams are going to dig in now. You know, absolutely dig in. And what about, you're going to force the GAA's hand because the last thing anybody wants is a non-fixture or a cancellation or abandonment or whatever you want to call it. So, um, uh Teams are going to dig in, and, and rightly so. Sligo, it's a home game for Sligo. Played it, played in the home venue, and, and get on with it. Or, well, is it that we need better planning here? You know, is it is it that the you know once I I know from a management point of view, I'm happy enough once I know from the start of the year where where yeah you know, yeah that's all I want. All I want to know is where am I going, and if I get to that stage, it's on there. And now I know that three rounds before that or whatever it might be, I'm happy with that. But don't don't um, move the goalposts on me a week before. Uh, a provincial final like, you, you know it's just not right and and it's, a lot of this is financially motivated I just don't understand how TG Carr it's easier for them to set up in Beacon than it is a Markovich I just don't I just don't think there's any uh, truth to that uh, how could it be Markovich's stadiums which means limited scaffold is needed limited everything else needed Beacon is outside and it's, it's, it's wild you know what I mean so um, yeah I don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't agree with it and fair play to Sligo for getting it back just on that Cork Parkyrin tobacco, obviously they're saying Fitzgerald Stadium now. Um Keith Rickon has become unwell, so John Cleary is now taking over Cork. But like what do you do now if you're with Cork? Because like obviously everyone expecting them outside the camp are expecting them to get absolutely hammered. But there is a bit of I suppose belief that you have to have in your own camp preparing for this but do you still try and stick with this Porky instance? Yeah, yeah I don't know what it kind of came out of nowhere that the Cork released this a statement one evening there a couple of weeks ago and they said it's Porky Rins or nowhere or whatever they said um, I, I I hadn't heard too much about it before then um, yeah again it's another mess it's an absolute mess it's 11,000 seat or whatever 11,000 stadium isn't it as far as more I can hold are you, are you going to get more though realistically at that than the form of Kerry expecting to win in All-Ireland and Cork expecting probably to only have two or three games this year like no absolutely or not like and, and Kerry won't travel to that like, why, I couldn't see more than what seven or eight thousand Kerry people travelling to that no way could you right and then you have three or four thousand Cork people, and there you are. And if someone misses out, they miss out. Like I, I am, um, 
I remember just this year going to scramble with those around Kildare with new management and everything and the couple of home games at Dublin coming to town. The scramble for tickets was brilliant. It was good. To, it was good to see the buzz and the excitement and how you get your ticket and she's they're all done and you know it kind of adds to it. Like you know, it's like going to a concert. Well, the tickets are there, lads. Get them or don't. But uh, like, yeah, Brooks isn't putting on another night next year for anyone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so why are we so worried about that? It's purely greed motivating again the GA and what's the, why are we doing it? Like, I don't get this because. Did they not learn anything about the Corrigan Park tobacco? And then this happens again. And do you know what else is? Like, Walsh Park yesterday, you see a tip and tip and water for going at it yesterday, yeah. right? And there's someone put up it today on Twitter an aerial view of Parky Rain and, and, and Walsh Park. I don't know if you've seen this or not. But um, they, they, you know, what's the difference? There's absolutely no difference. Full house yesterday, brilliant atmosphere. Crowds, literally, when you're taking a line ball, right in on top of you. For me, that's class. Like, for me, that's where I want to be. That's the environment, the college, and I want to be operating in. That's the space, as a manager, I want to be in. And I'm sure the players are the same. So, like, what? Uh, why bring it to a soulless Killarney? I mean, the reason it's going to be soulless is because it's going to be it's going to be a one-sided affair in Killarney, no doubt in my mind. Have, have they ever been beaten in a championship? Or is it a long time they've been beaten in a championship? As far as there was a draw once with Cork, but that's probably nearly gone. Don't know how long now. Yeah, exactly right. So no, like it's it's it horrendous. Play the game in Parky Rain. Now there's other things to this. This Parky Cueve crack and and this uh, Ed Shear and crack and now it's coming into the Munster rugby as well, isn't it? I think they're they're uh, caught Batoman now as well. So look, there is planning. And again, look at it. Everyone's trying to fill the coffers again. They've had two years of limited, you know, crowds. Obviously, everything with COVID, taking hits, taking knocks. So everyone, so you can't you can't blame the county board or the provincial council for. Booking in the likes of Ed Sheeran, etc., etc., but uh, before the split season was confirmed, but it's one big mess, Paul, the whole thing. But the game should be going ahead in Parky Rim. And just on the, the core camp, they absolutely have to back it. Just back yourselves to the hilt here because Parky Rim, I think, be worth three or four points to them, no doubt about it. Like, absolutely, yeah, no. no doubt about it. Um, and I even listened to James O'Donoghue on, on another podcast the other day, and, and you know, his, his take is one of like Kerry's top four in the last 10 years was uh. Yeah, the cock forwards kick differently in what you're in, like you know that kind of way. So um, uh, that's interesting, you know. It's interesting to see. Whereas, looks to me like Parky Quave adds very little to them. I don't see any great advantage of Parky Quave to cock forwards. To be honest with you. So, uh, so the game should be in Parky in. You have to dig your heels in now. It's it's, it's a huge pity, and um, I hope Keith gets better soon. It's it's it's, it's Stressful job, senior in the county football too. It's not, it's not good. Like you know, it's not good. So, um, um, hope hope Keith gets better soon as well. Absolutely, and uh, just on that, there was a monster twenties uh, semi final tonight, uh, and Kerry came from behind to defeat Clare one eleven to eight. Clare, Clare seven four up just after half time. I was down in um, I was down in Clare earlier on in the week, just for a couple of days away, and um, the tip. Under twenty team come in. I was in Spanish Point, and the tip under twenty team come in after they were playing championship against Clare in the twenties, and uh, went for their dinner into a hotel there. And uh, they were well beaten by Clare that evening just up the road in Milton there. So um, uh, they were they were tip were lighting up. I was talking to a couple of parents and a couple of the lads there, and I think they were lighting up. But they were very impressed by that Clare team. It was, that's a good strong Clare under twenty football team there, and uh, they obviously, as you said, they got ahead of Kerry tonight, but just pegged back and. It's a great competition. That the knockout element of that is brilliant. It's um, it's mm. uh, it's excellent. I know Kildare, Kildare, Brian Flanagan, uh, be friendly with Brian is managing Kildare, and they were out last Thursday against Leash. And oh, it was a last minute of the game, two points up. 
last kick of the game, as far as I'm aware. Um, keeper went Kildare, keeper went short, intercepted by Leashfold forward. I, I'm not certain what happened there, but there was an open goal, a gaping open goal, and he missed last kick of the game. That would have knocked Kildare out by a point in the first round and gone, no back door. So, so and now they're heading to Offaly in a huge game on Thursday night coming and fancied Offaly team at six or seven the last year's all Ireland winning team, you know. So, um, um, it's a great competition. I think it's great. The knockout element was brilliant. Yeah, after the year playing Kildare, and I think as far as I know, are Dublin in the other semi-final? I think they bet Dublin West, West, West last week. Yeah, Dublin bet Westmead, I know, um, last week. Um, I'm not actually sure who's in the other semi-final. It doesn't look like it's this week, but... Um, no, well, I know for definite Offaly and Kildare are Thursday, and it'll be a right good game. It's Pim Trainer himself. I'd I, I definitely go to a day... You know, you've Lee Pearson there, you've Keith O'Neill, you have who else? You have the Gooch, Dara Flynn, corner forward for Offaly. Uh, it's a good side now. They're, they're, they're a decent side, and that's all they're doing all this without Conor Keegan, who's uh, done a bad job in his hamstring again. He's, he's, under, he's in a bit of trouble again with that hamstring. So um, um, it's a good Offaly side. Declan Kelly's still there. He was there for my time in 2018. So this is Declan's fourth year with the under 20s. So. Um, uh, you know, the Offaly in the 20s are a formidable outfit in Tullamore. Yeah, it's Dublin Mead um, in the other one. It hasn't been confirmed. Is that quarters or semis? That's semis. So it's oh, it? there oh. and uh, Dublin Mead. Just on that, um, Offaly, because I did forget to bring it up on the podcast last week and it's something I want to touch on. Obviously, there is, I think, three or four Offaly under-14s that went and played was it an Irish Cup quarterfinal or yeah. something for Eden Derry? I think there was a code of conduct, as I believe, that was signed at the start of the year. They missed a session um, and then they got released uh, from the off-day panel. As a manager, and you've been obviously involved with development squads, Kildare and everything, like, this is a bit of a joke. It's under-14s you're talking about. You're talking about maybe some lads are 12 only turning 13 or some 13 year olds are turning 14 and then 13 year olds like do you, is it not more beneficial from what we've seen like we've seen numerous inter-county players like Michael Darren McCauley even Clifford was a good soccer player we've seen so many different players mix sports at a younger age and it stands to them like it's, it's just hard to even know what to say about this and again, the same man's involved. Declan Kelly's over this too, as far as I'm aware. Um, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's not good, Paul. It doesn't look good. And I'm surprised Michael Dignan, he's done so much right there in, in Offaly the last in a short period of time. I'm surprised they, they allowed this charter or code of conduct or whatever it was. Like, they're 14, under 4, so they're 12 and 13-year-olds. And um, Jesus, like, what, we're getting to sign up to... to and and I am led to believe it was you know uh, to give excuses as to why you'll be missing and and uh, it's a big long thing commit to timekeeping and, and that's all fine but does it really have to be written down and signed you know to turn up on time you can address it as a manager you know in other ways but I'm not sure I I never from day one Paul ever be into code of conduct I've seen them in a lot of teams but for me it's an insecurity in the management I don't think yeah uh, I, I don't I don't think there's any benefit to players in them I think it's purely. And anyway, what is not what the paper they're written on either? What are they like? You know, like and they're not legally binding. What, what's the point of them? So, well, um, it's the GEA, it's an amateur sport, we're all in it for the love of it at the end of the day, like you know, so uh, complete waste of time. Um, 
again, the young lads playing soccer, you know, you look at uh, Donaghy coming from basketball, you know, as you said, Michael Lara, you know, let them play. Let them play all sports. And I do believe, yeah, there is a time to make a decision, Bob. I do believe probably minor-ish. Yeah. You know, I think, I really probably think, don't get me wrong now, if I was with, if I was with a county minor squad or, you know, I'd want them, I'd want their focus. You know, don't get me wrong now. You know, I would want that. Um, so I'm not being a hypocrite at all, but 13-year-old doesn't, you know, let him out. What is he? He just wants to play. All he wants to do is play, score goals, you know, wear the fancy boots and, you know, really, all, that's all he wants. Let him play, let him learn, make make, make decisions in soccer. Make there's, decisions no, in there's no such thing as burnout, like, at that age, really. Not, no, and, and, like, they, they don't want to be training and they don't want to, and, like, and, they're very, very dedicated, and it's more the parents too. Can uh, could can be putting them under pressure too in that age. You know, it's, it's, it's you know trying to live through their kids or whatever it might be. And I, I just think let them out, let them out, let them play. And I think it's a bad move. It does not look good for Offaly. This doesn't look good. Like regardless of what happened here, uh, I, I there's probably more to it that we don't know about. But still, it's it's not good. And 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 they should be reinstated under the panel, and the code of conduct should be thrown to bin. Yeah. I said it better on myself. But on the um, other Connacht semi-final, um, a, another tight game as well, which which is great to see between, I suppose, uh, the weaker counties in Connacht trying to bridge this gap, like that they're getting a competitive game under their belt. And like, it's massive for Leitrim because they're obviously without Keith, Keith Byrne, who's the second highest scorer across all four divisions in the National Football League. Uh, winning out in the end, uh, 3-12 to 2-11, uh, Ryan O'Rourke getting the goal at the end. Yeah, it was a very, very tight contest. Um, like you got a right slip, particularly with the London team now that have been very, very competitive in the league, mm. uh, hugely competitive, and a proper force in Division 4 this year. So, um, each of them are getting word. Andy Moore and his team would have fully known what was coming. You know, they would have fully known that this is a full-on championship game here. We'd be right here. This is a 50-50 game. And uh, in fairness to the London, they brought it. And, and London have some excellent, excellent players. Like, like Salim Gavigan there is a right, right good player. Like, he's a very, very good player. For me. And, uh, you know, when you... And in fairness, I've been very, very impressed for a number of years with the likes of Michael Maher there. Uh, you know, very young manager. And he's... Uh, Stuck with them through the hard times of COVID, and and and, and look, fair play to them. They're, they're, they, it's it's no surprise why are New York, why are London, because they, they kind of stuck with the, the management, the consistency, giving them time, stuck together, not a huge changeover, you know. So, uh, Leitrim, Leitrim done well to dug it out, but it'll absolutely stand to Leitrim, and to do it without your marquee player is uh, huge, you know, absolutely huge. For them, you know? It's just, I just have another bit of a rant here. Like, this game was on at half two. And, like, fair enough, New York and Sligo was streamed. Great to see Tyrone from Manor was streamed. But it was the only other game not streamed across the weekend. Both sides going into it so well. You talked there about Liam Gavigan. Even watching Ryan O'Rourke on the highlights, looks like a tremendous footballer. Like, has that bit of swagger. Got 2-2. Two, two, like... There's only three games on, like, like I know during COVID they were streaming games on the RT News Now channel, like, and it's only over to London. Like, how, how can you bring a camera to New York but not London? Honestly, I've no idea um, how or why these games aren't being streamed. It's, it's ridiculous. There's absolutely zero excuse that I'd accept it. Um, financial, yeah, obviously there's a financial outlay, obviously, and and they must feel they won't get a return off it. Um 
you know, but the five. How much does the Talton have then? Like, is the thing? Well, it's probably no old ball. Like, it's no because mm-hmm. are we going to see these games? Are we going to see these teams? That I, I just don't know. And uh, now I do know the semi-finals have their own day on a Sunday. Do I right thinking? I think they do. I think they do. They've got one dedicated day on a Sunday in the middle of uh, June or July there. So June. So um, uh, you do have that, but there's no argument that I would listen to or entertain from anybody to justify why that London game was not on telly, particularly people would have an interest in it because obviously we love football. There's very little football on the weekend. The timings, Saturday evening to around, Sunday evening, um, um, uh, Sunday evening was Sligo. So it would have been perfect. You know, that kind of, it would have been perfect to play it afternoon. You'll get GA people, and particularly because it wasn't going to be a one-sided affair. Everyone knew London had a right chance. Everyone knew London had done well in, the, in Division 4 this year. This year. And and then it'd be, it'd be an interest there with Andy Moran coming in. There'd be an interest, there, you know. So all them different things, and and they still, you know, just not satisfying. We're mad for football. We're mad for football. We're mad to watch and learn. And COVID has only only increased the appetite, I think, for football. If you just so, look um, at any other sports, like like even League of Ireland games aren't streamed all the time, but they have their own streaming service, like and. It, it, to me, it was something that worked. Like, like I never would have watched Division Three or Four games during lockdown, and you're able to watch them. Even watching New York, like you, you never get to see them live. You got to see them live last night. Like, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, and like I, I was very same during COVID watching Division Three, Division Two, Division Four game. Now some of it was opposition analysis, etc. But still, it was. Games and just for a fiver bang, there's even not even for a fiver. I think I paid 20 or 25 and I got an annual pass or something like that. So, like, there was you know, there was there's huge deals to be made in. And yes, if if it runs at a bit of a loss, so be it, soak, soak yeah. it up. The big, so, yeah, the big problem next weekend, Donegal are playing Armagh, it's clashed with Tipperary and Clare, so it's only going to be available on BBC Northern Ireland. I presume it'll probably be on GA Go or something as well, but like. Yeah. For a game of that magnitude, like surely, like, like the fixtures could be done around that because, like, a lot of people have watched that in RT and it's on with such a big oh, game. That, that's well, this, like, this is this is the problem. That's one of the biggest games of the year, like, of the year, just because it's the first round in Ulster, it doesn't matter. It's one of the biggest yeah. games of the year, like, because yeah. eh, but if that was not on quarter final or you know, semi for whatever, like, it's a huge, like, the intrigue. Coming off the back of the melee, coming off the back of Reno Neal getting off, coming off the back of all this different, like the intrigue and the interest I'd have alone in that game would be way more than majority of other games you're going to see in Munster or Leinster for a lot, you know, for, 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 so that's one of the biggest games. Yeah. And for us to have to go on the laptop to watch it, if, if it's on GA Go, we hope it probably is because it's in the north. So, um, although it's in Bally Buffet, I don't know, I don't know how it works. I don't, I'm not sure. So I presume hopefully it's on. It's on uh, GA Go, so we can watch it. But it's just wrong. It's plain wrong. Why could they put it on that, that news channel you were talking about, RT News, there, you know, a year ago? But they can't do it now. You know, that kind of way. Is it a rights issue? I don't know. But but whatever. It, it's really, we're not marketing our games. We're not doing these lads justice whatsoever. That, uh, you know, you're thinking Michael Murphy, you know, uh, Rain O'Neill, like, Jesus, we just want to see them play. Yeah, definitely one that should just be on. The national broadcasting station, no matter what, straight away. But like on that London victory, like like that's a massive result for them because, as you said, no Keith Byrne going over to Islip. There was a lot of feel good factor, I suppose, with Andy Moran coming in. But like 
they were still in a real battle like there. Um, it was obviously 212 to 211. London just could not pull back that equaliser. It was they they did they were eight down though and they brought it back to one, but like like it's 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 a big win now for um Lichum. Yeah, I'm presuming from my experience, a rice lip is always a breeze and a strong breeze straight down the field. Um, so I'm presuming if they were eight points down, they were against the breeze. I'm presuming, and then they had the benefit of it. I'm sure all the all you can do with that, i.e., keep hitting the kick out in and, and everything, the advantages with that. So, um, and that's I'd, I'd imagine how that was turned around. But uh, yeah, yeah, huge, huge. But again, very like Sligo, I would say Andy Moran is delighted with because his lads again without Keith dug out a major victory. Imagine the, the 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 morale boost. Imagine the confidence boost they've got now from that that uh, they beat a genuine Division Four team like themselves. That's what they are. Like Leitrim are Division Four team. London are a genuine Division Four team now, decent. And um, went over to their home. You know, there'll be a lot of logistics to that. Um, Leitrim have been operating Division Three for a number of years there, so they wouldn't have been going to London. And you know, I, I know myself. There's huge logistics involved in a, a, t- a tour or not a tour, whatever, a weekend away. With 50 lads, you know, kits, you know, everything, timing, buses, transport, hotels, meals, huge amount to it now, huge amount. And, and, and the slightest thing can throw uh, a fella off, you know, and the slightest thing, you know, can, can change. So um, uh, we went over in two years ago with Wicklow there and, you know, we, we got out, we, we won the game, but, um, um, you know, it was a battle and logistically it was torture for me, you know, logistics. What was the toughest logistics about it? Oh, the toughest logistic was the amount of them. Is <laughs> in, is in. You know, everything is logistic, and and even the bus. I'll never forget. Now, I'd be a bit animated sometimes. Now, when time starts ticking on, you know, and uh, we'd generally be scheduled or whatever it is, and uh, we'd a bus driver there, and he was straight out of London, like and zero interest in the car, and didn't know what the crack was, and he was very casual about the whole thing, and he was winding me up no end now and. <laughs> He just wouldn't move the bus on a bit, like, and uh, we were caught for time then, and you know, just nonsense that you just don't need. Like, whereas when you're going to a game at your own, you've the same bus driver every week. He knows the story. He knows what tickles the manager, what keeps him go home, what keeps the team happy. You know that kind of way. Whereas this fellow we had in London, I mean, he didn't. Have the, uh, we could have been going to Wembley for all he knew. We could have been going to, you know, he didn't have a clue what we we're doing, and it just wasn't adding to. That was just one. Now. You could probably ask Michael that. They probably wouldn't even notice that. You know that kind of way. But um, uh, it was just one thing that uh, it's hard going. It's what time is the flight coming at? Connection bus. To get the hotel, have the meals ready, have your meetings, whatever then you're doing. If you're staying overnight, you know, obviously do your rooms out. Who's staying with who? He might wreck his head. He won't sleep. He does that. You know, there's all these different things that you have to piece together. Then the next morning, you're like, you know what I mean? You get a kick around him, your connection bus. If you bus back, London's a disaster for traffic. You know, there's a load of stuff. Like, there really is a load, a load of stuff that you have to take all into account, you know? Just on seeing um, Ryan O'Rourke there, like, we, we were just talking about how good he was yesterday, but, like, it must be terrific, you can imagine, to be a forward in Leitrim at the moment. You have Andy Moran, one of the greatest forwards who played the game as your manager, and then you have a player like Emlyn Mulligan as well who's been doing a with Leitrim for years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Ryan O'Rourke, nearly certain played Sigerson a couple of years ago. Keith Byrne, we had playing Sigerson in Minute. I managed him or coached him two or three years ago in Minute as well. Uh, so you get to see these lads at that level, you know, that kind of way. And uh, good players. And um, they, they, yeah, as you're working under Andy and he comes across, obviously, from listening to him uh, last year, he 
comes across uh, hugely energetic, like a real decent fella. That's that's what I don't know the man from Adam, but that's what he strikes me as a real decent, genuine fella who um, is energetic and like just you know the best part about Andy was it was his brain. Andy Moore was a brain, such a smart footballer mm. was his key attribute because ultimately the legs weren't there. You know, he, he physically wasn't there. He had to outthink his man. You know, he had to find space, create space, and and, and use his head to um, to to get on the ball. And so, imagine how much he could teach. You know, teach the keeper and find a role to these lads. They have young, really tremendous. It's huge. Like it's absolutely brilliant. And the energy, I'd imagine, it's his first proper job. I know he was joint manager in Bala there for a couple of years, but it's the first proper gig. And you imagine the energy and the you know the buzz he's bringing around the place. That, that's half the battle, you know. Yeah, the big one now over Leitrim obviously is they play Galway or Mayo. If Mayo win, it's in Carrick. If Galway win, it's in Sawtill. Like, he even said last, like, you could even hear him after the game, like, like there was a lot of sympathy, I suppose, nationwide for Leitrim last year um, when they did meet Mayo and they just slaughtered them. But he did say they look to improve on that. You could hear him straight away in the interview after the game. And I suppose that's the big thing because realistically, they're not going to turn either side over. Oh, and if I was Andy, I'd be praying for Galway. To be honest with you, uh, I'd be praying for Galway. I think uh, I think Mayo, Mayo just will blitz this team again. I don't think uh, Andy might have them better set up. They might contribute a bit more to the game. Uh, but ultimately, they're very much a mid-table Division 4 team going in against the probably second-best team in the country, you know. And uh, what Mayo will do is they'll blitz them with power. They'll blitz them with running game. And, you know, the likes of, say, Keith Byrne and, and Ryan O'Rourke and all that, they'll have some crack running after Ushin Mullen, Noah McLaughlin, and the Hessian up the field all day long. Uh, Paddy Durkin, it just, it's a different, different level of athleticism. And... Uh, yeah, I'd be praying. And Mayo have had a game in Carrick to play Kildare in the National League in Carrick this year. So, um, yeah, I'd be praying for Galway. On the third and uh, final game, then uh, Tyrone 217, Fermanagh 210. Um, where Tyrone at for you? Uh, it was a weird game. Um, yeah. It was a weird game for Fermanagh. I'm surprised by Fermanagh. They stayed in it for a lot longer than they thought. Uh, now, whether that was Tyrone, you know, being a bit below par or being able to complacent, or I, I don't know. Um, but in fairness, there was a period there in the third quarter and they they, they really went through the gears and really just pushed on and came to bed very, very quickly. Um, very, very quickly. And it was good. Like, McCurry looks very, very sharp. Connor Myler looks very, very good. Con Kilpatrick is a serious, serious... He's getting better by the game. Is Kilpatrick one of the best midfielders, do you think, in the game? Because Yeah, yeah. Well, like, me and you had a conversation, you know, obviously, uh, Conroy's up there. Ruan is up there. Fenton would have to be up there. I suppose he hasn't gone away. Um, you know, but Con is absolutely in that, in that conversation. Absolutely is. Uh, did they... Was it just me or were they playing him close to the goal a bit too? I thought he spent a good bit of time inside. He seems to be doing that a lot coming kind of in and out. Yeah. He's um, a... Geez, he's a fair player. He's a serious, serious player. Even a Trez though, inside, like if you were to yeah. move him in for a while because like you can you can tell even by his kick pass and like the one thing about him is there's a lot of football in him. Oh yeah, and his athleticism, kick pass and uh, he's a right, right good footballer. I'm... Um, Probably want to say a little bit below Matty Rowan, 
Conroy and them, probably a time now, but but you're talking very, very elite. You know, you're talking the best in the it's game. Still very like people probably think Conor Patrick could be 28, 27. He's only 23 or 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he's he's huge and he's getting for me. He's getting better. I think the whole national league. He's just improving week on week on week now into the championship and uh, he's a huge threat to them and but uh, but again moving on from that like you see um you see um uh McShane looked a little bit better did he kick four I think four the last day you know so um two I think um, it was was it I think it was two was very all right so but you know and another he looks a little bit sharper though right and then you know Derek Hanneman in the corner he kicked the score and I've seen Good bit of Dara, right? Between between underage and between senior now. So he kicked a score, brilliant score, running away from goal on the sideline ish, wide out mm-hmm. and uh, turned, kicked it over the bar. It's the first time I've seen Dara Hanneman do that. In that, for me, he'd been a link player, he'd been carrying balls, he'd been looking to set up goal scoring chances, but he hadn't been kicking the ball over the bar enough for me. And um, whereas won a ball, 50 50 ball in the corner, took his man on. And kick the ball over the air, say from forty yards out. That's something Dara has to bring to his game and had to bring to his game, you know. And uh, that was impressive. Now, delighted to see that that he has that in the locker as well. Is the thing with Tyrone though is like you talked there about McShane's improving, Canavan's improving, Kilpatrick's been good, Dazzler's been good inside, Sludden's been solid. But is McGeary the player who's struggling to get back to the heights of last year? Yeah. And player of the year, you know, all this stuff can 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 affect you in different ways. Um, absolutely. Kieran McGeary, I've been watching him closely because a lot of Tyrone's games have been televised this year. Um, yeah, he's been way below, I'd say, where he wants to be himself, where he was last year, way, way below. But what does the likes of last year do? It puts you on the radar, Paul. You, you know what I mean? Now you're yeah. being either tagged or you're certainly being watched, you're certainly being spoken about in opposition dressing room because this is the player of the year. Whereas going into last year, I'll be honest with you, didn't know a huge amount about Cameron myself personally, you know, that kind of way we going into last year. Whereas now, like everyone else in the country, they're handling on him. So, you know, he's obviously getting more attention and and, and he's not, um, he hasn't to date been able to shrug that off and play his own game, you know. So uh, absolutely, I would agree. And I would have spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and said, Myler, Hart, Kilpatrick, were all operating at a top level. But they didn't have enough more with them. It, it, there wasn't enough of the rest of the Tyrone boys who were getting there. Now you throw McCurry into that. You throw Canavan into that now. And, you know, PD's to come back. Maddie Donnelly's to come back. Uh, I think they look to be a team that Hamsey looks better. You know, they, they look like a team that are really getting there now. I'd say they'd be very, very disappointed with the, with, the, with the two goals, though. You'd be very disappointed. As well, um, uh, Ryan Jones had a great one in the first half where he just blasted over the bear. Like, how know, how did he not go for goal there? How did he not square the ball to carry, carry, you know, draw the full back and was, square it inside? Was there another one as well where I think there was Darren McGurn had it and they didn't play it across? There was yeah. a hand pass on. Like, there was two or three goal chances there. Which is very concerning. And I was absolutely looking at that. And, and I thought for Manor early, and this is early on. So, look, there's two ways to look at this one. Late goals, I'd say for Tyrone, it probably checked out the job done here with 12 points up here, game over, whatever it was, right? And I can understand that to a point, to a point, you can understand that. Fine, quick free, whatever else, get a go, whatever, the game is done. It was really of no consequence. It, it, it didn't matter, but it, it just took a gloss off the scoreline. It went from 12 or 13 points to a 10-point game. So, when it, that's fine. 
But the early goal chances, there's they're concerning. They would concern me because for mana flushed runners through that Tyrone blanket or that Tyrone wall far too easily, untracked, and should have had two goals. You know, there's no two ways about it. For mana left two goals out there, and um, you know that would be very concerning for me. In that Tyrone's bread and butter was always their defensive setup and how you know how how astute they were uh, closing down the spaces, tracking runners, you know, checking lads, cutely, all this different stuff and. Uh, didn't look to be there early on. Maybe where they caught cold a little bit. Fair enough. But uh, for man, had only done the very same amount as Tyrone had done, you know. But uh, that would be concerning. Absolutely, that would concern me. Yeah. And like from a permanent perspective, if you're an underdog, you need to take all your chances. There was a few goal chances. They were trying to hold on to the ball for long periods. Quigley misses a free that you just can't be missing when you're the underdog. Yeah, and look, it goes back to kind of. I, I can't understand how he didn't go for goal there twice. How, how they didn't try work out. You're from Anna playing Tyrone, you're expected to lose. You, you, I don't know what the handicap spread was, but you, you probably seven, eight, nine points. I don't know what it was, right? So, so you're, you, what have you got to lose here? You know, um, you have a chance here to score a goal early on and rattle these lads. Why not go for it? If it doesn't come off, fair enough, it doesn't come off, go again. But you two goal chances really to hurt them. Going back to the game, Cork's goal chance with your man Callahan or Callahan. Remember, I, we were talking with this numbers time, mm. and he didn't square to Brian Hurley in the first play of the game. Like, what's going on? Like, like, why not take these opportunities on? Um, um, don't get me wrong. I just said Sligo fisting a score was the right move. It's game management. It's all about That's doing the right thing. Like. Yeah, doing the right thing at the right time. You know, but uh, how? And then Sean Quigley missing that so uncharacteristic. So that's that's his bread and butter. He wouldn't miss, you know, never miss them type ones. So, yeah, Fermana is impressed enough. I looked, the, the goals probably took the, the, took the bad look of it for them, you know. Uh, they were well beaten and probably beaten in a 15 minute period, really, in that Tyrone just, you know, really up the ante and up the physicality and up the running and really hurt them. Um, in there. And it was. Declan McCusker was just a player who was. You could see him at one stage. He was throwing his head into the swarm. He was getting the ball out of the swarm. Just one of those players where no one would throw their head into attacking. Yeah. And and imagine the, like, you need the likes of them on every team in that these lads. He drives energy, you know, getting turnovers, you know, drives standards because he's throwing his own body on the line, you know, that kind of way. So um, he hugely, I was very look impressed with them. Um, I, I don't know the answers. I wonder when they're how long they have to wait though for a Calvin Cup game. Um, probably yeah. say June you'd imagine yeah like so like we're in the middle of April here you know so uh, May like they've six weeks anyway you'd say wouldn't you yeah you'd surely be letting them back to clubs for uh, yeah and, and absolutely right as a club manager absolutely but uh, I'm telling you that's very very difficult now for the county manager Karen Donnelly there like so um they need game time absolutely so you'd more than likely take a week off right more than likely just take a week off now Um probably meet up then and then arrange a couple of club league games but I'd imagine they'd be training with the county and playing with the club I'd say yeah. I'd, I'd imagine now that would still be happening but uh, it's a difficult one to manage in when you're releasing your full squad Paul it's hard you, you lose a bit of cohesion uh, some of the standards of the clubs mightn't be brilliant they're going back to bad habits can creep in particularly the Fermanas and the lower tier teams you know uh, the lads habits can change and standards drop quick enough you know so uh, that's a tough one Romana, again, this Talton Cup, six weeks, four weeks breaks, suit no one. Um, would Fermanagh have lads head to Australia, or not Australia, the States now? Probably. 
Like, you know, that, you know. You think so, yeah. But you're like, yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Are you going to win the Talent Cup? No. Um, well, they might have a chance, but I don't, I don't think they will. Uh, you know, what are you going to hang around for six more weeks for, uh, as far as I'm aware, from the 1st of May you can go, can you? This J1 or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, who, are you, who are you looking at now as the front runners for the Talent Cup? Um, so who's just make sure I'm I'm, I'm correct here? Who so came yeah, down? Hopefully, and down that came down. Obviously, all is not too well and down at the moment. No, no. Um, you'd imagine the likes of an Offaly will be close. Uh, if down got any sort of a run at all, Jesus, they'd have to be, they'd have to be top. Uh, I suppose there's Leash there. You know who I, if, if they got their camp right, and I, I'm very disappointed with it this year, Westmead, Westmead. I said is what they're a, they're a top sixteen team. I, I I don't care what anybody tells you. I think Westmead are top sixteen, and um, and I think very comfortably a top could be a top twelve team to be honest with you. But I don't know what they never got a going this year in the league. Mm. Uh, very disappointed with them. They should be winning the Talent Cup. If I was to have a bet today, I'd be back in West. Well, sorry, I'm not saying I'd back them because I don't know why what's going on in the camp. I, you know, you hear. X, Y, and Z about other camps. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard anything about this Westmead camp, but why why were they so disappointed in the league this year? Um, if, if things were right, I think Westmead would have a fair chance. Yeah, and uh, just on uh, Tyrone there, McKenna came on, made a huge impact, but he gets sent off in a straight red. And like, fair enough, in Mali, we've seen, we've talked about headlocks, that there's no place for it in the game, but like, to me, Conkel Patrick was getting fouled, doesn't get the free. The Fermanagh players are on top of them. He's just coming in. As you'd expect any player to back up a teammate, like a, a, I, I think that should be a handy rescinded one. I am. And we spoke about them. Um, not too early uh, Logan. We spoke with Logan before he's a solicitor. So, and as far as where he said, um, did he say they're going after this one? So they did. They didn't remember they opted not to challenge the four, not to appeal the four earlier mm-hmm. on the year. They're going to have to listen. And they, they no doubt cannot be available. No doubt about it. Uh, it's a shambles of a decision. Uh, you know, Conga Patrick was, it looked to me, was there a bit of eye activity going on? Was there hands That's what I told myself now initially. Like, at it. And that oh, has to be penalised. Ah, yeah. And like, so I would, I'm not au fait with how the CCC, whatever works, but. When the video footage is brought in by Tyrone, surely the judges sitting there and the barristers, whoever on, their, on on these committees, are going to say, right, McKenna done nothing, so let's clear him. But also, can you have a look at Conor Patrick here on the ground and see the treatment he was getting out? Can we retrospectively do something about this? Like, you know, so um, um, that's that's what I would like. So if you look at, they done this to Ian O'Neill, they added him into the mix there when he was never in the mix initially. So, so this can be done. You know, so uh, I would like to see that from Anna, whoever, whoever was, uh, yeah, brought brought up. Um, look, what McKenna doing, he went in to help him out. There was about three of them around him. And uh, look, he picked him up and rugby tackled him to the ground. That's not ideal now. It's not, you know, it's not right either what McKenna doing is wrong. But uh, he was outnumbered and, 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 and uh, how did you pick him out? Like, how did you pick him out and, and not pick out any from Anna player? Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's supposed. I, I think what it was was contributing to Emily, so he's contributing to generally some of the Fermanagh players there. How do you, you know, he's had a fight with himself, like you know what I mean? Like, surely there's surely both teams are contributing to Emily, like, yeah, and like 
on Tyrone, obviously they're preparing for Derry now. Um, but you think for Derry, like they're going to need a Maddie Donnelly, a Richie Donnelly, and a Peter Hart back? Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm sure they'll use Richie off the line. Um, could use Maddie off the line too, maybe. Uh, as you know, it's 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 a twenty man yeah. game now. Uh, you know, you need depth. You really need depth. Um, Donnelly be back. Is is two weeks probably? I'd imagine. Is it? Yeah, because there's two Ulster quarterfinals this weekend. They have the Corrigan Park between Antrim and Cavan. Oh. They have Johnny Gall there, so I presume yeah. the following weekend we'll have Monaghan down. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you'd imagine Pity Hart was out with an appendix, was it? I think, or, I think yeah, I think that just came too soon for him. I presume yeah. a week later he'd be grand. Yeah, yeah. So, had, and, and Donnelly, I, I'm not sure what's... Maddie Donnelly's only been, you the know... Hamstring again is Adam. Ah, he's had no luck at all with that. So, look, uh, Hartle 100% be back. I'm sure Richie will be back. And you'd imagine that's still two more weeks. So, it's a good three weeks. Unless it's a bad hamstring now, you'd imagine Maddie Donnelly be fit to feature somewhere. Um, oh, they'll need them. They'll absolutely need them. Um, but are the wheels coming off a little bit in Derry? Um, potentially. left the panel and Jack Doherty left the panel. Oh, I didn't hear about Doherty. I only knew about McFall. Um, that's another blow. So, look, I don't know, tricky enough place to go, I think, Derry to manage. Uh, now, fairness to Rory, he's done a brilliant job. He was shoot out of Division 3. Um, probably thought he'd get out of Division 2 this year, didn't. And um, ended up messy. The Galway game was messy, like, you yeah. know, the red cards and the bad beating. And did, you, did you tell me they opted to go against the wind? I think they did. They opted to go, opted against, to go against the wind. Uh, first half, yeah. Strange Galway had the game over, blitzed, and... and, and, and very, very strange decisions uh, going on. McFall, you know, two red cards from McFall. I was only talking to Danny Hughes and Gary Reynolds about this last week, but did you see the statement of Gallagher? Um, I seen the last McFall. line of it. Was it in a in a way that what what was the last? Was it? I think it's the best for both parties yeah. and the commitment levels required. Yes, right. So, I that's a pop at Kieran, obviously, to say he wasn't meeting the standards or he wasn't doing what we wanted of him, I presume, you know. Um, um, which is a fairly strong it would it would lead me to believe that, um, I'd say Rory, you know, is he going to do another year? I'm not 100% sure. Um, tough gig up there. There's a lot of club rivalry, there's a lot of different things that goes on in Derry. Um, and Rory seemed to have solved or, or at least patched up a lot of that. But is that unwinding a little bit? Is it? Um, is it? Is do they do they have the mental capacity to to stay aligned for three, four, five years? You know, that kind of way. They probably into their third year of real good structure. Look to be making progress. But are the cracks like Kieran McFall? There's no doubt about it. One of the best players. There's no, yeah, no two of them. Even that goal game, um, he yeah. was one of the players. It was that game's uh, Sunday, the first of May, four yeah. o'clock in Healy Park. Yeah. So. so I, I I think to be honest with you, I I would have been a big Derry fan. I would have liked what Rory's been doing. I don't like the look of this players' exit. I don't like the look of the discipline recently. I don't like them opting to go against the breeze in a massive promotion game against your biggest rivals. Uh, I don't get that. Um, yeah, Toronto, 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 do the job there now. Uh, I I just don't understand what Derry are at. Yeah, no, it's it it still is um going to be a fascinating game between yeah. um Derry and Tyrone. And, and maybe they're wounded. Maybe Paul, you know, 
been wounded and you know people are starting to write them off. Everyone was so positive on Derry, you know, for the last couple of years because of what they were doing. They were obviously weren't a Division Three team, right? They they shot up, um, um, you know, and even Connor Glass coming back and uh, you know Tohill hasn't featured at all yet. Yeah, has he? he's a player you imagine now they need to get in. But why obviously must be injured? What's going on there? Like you know, surely, surely he. he they do like seem that. to be set on kind of subs and players like yeah. it doesn't seem to be like he seems to nearly have a set 21 players to play like yeah which but, but, but you'd imagine though well, uh, you know I'd imagine he'd be in that so yeah look maybe it might suit Derry to be a bit bitten off and be a bit wounded and and, and maybe they might come back and, and retaliate like they should have beaten Donegal last year so um um it, uh, it'll be interesting to see it, it and it will be a good game there's no doubt about it it'll be a very very good game yeah, no, definitely one of the games to uh, look forward to over the next few weeks and this weekend as well. But uh, since it was only three games, uh, that's all on our uh, football show uh, for today. And we'll be back uh, later in the week um, with another preview show with some huge action to look forward to. Galway Mayo, Donegal Armagh and uh, some games in Leinster as well. But uh, Davey, thanks a million for your time. Cheers, Pat.